When Many Fell by Raymond Lester. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman. When Many Fell by Raymond Lester. How insufferably hot! Many come and open the window at once. The heat in this place is enough to bake me alive. Minnie! There was no reply to her call, and Natalie Grandon frowned with irritation as she hurried across her dressing room and opened the top and lower sashes of the window. When she turned and dropped her opera cloak across the back of a chair, her maid appeared in the doorway that communicated with Natalie's room. I'm sorry, miss, murmured the maid blankly. I just went off. Never mind about making excuses, interrupted her mistress. I've opened the window myself, but another time please remember that I am not an orchid or a native of the tropics. Yes, miss, returned Minnie obediently, and stifling a yawn placed a chair in front of the dressing table. Natalie seated herself, and the maid knelt to exchange Miss Grandon's lace shoes for slippers. This duty performed, Natalie removed the numerous rings and bracelets that adorned her fingers and arms. Now my collar, she ordered, and Minnie's deft fingers pressed the clasp that secured Miss Grandon's chief article of jewelry. This chef de ouvure of the jeweler's art justly deserved a word to itself, for not only was it extremely valuable, but it was extraordinarily beautiful and of uncommon design composed of diamonds rubies and pearls it was an object of envy among natalie's circle of friends and a desirable piece of loot for any crook clever enough to lay hands on it and get away with it it always makes me nervous murmured the maid as she laid the collar on the dressing table nervous why because somebody might steal it i shall be glad when you send it back to the safety deposit miss don't be absurd minnie what good would it do me if i kept it locked up all the time come let down my hair and then get me my dressing gown i think i'll read a little bit before i go to bed what time is it one o'clock well never mind you need not call me until ten so that will give you a good rest yes miss agreed the maid with a readiness expected of a well-paid and trained automaton while her hair was being released, Natalie sat back at her ease and contemplated two very satisfying objects. One was her own reflection in the mirror. The other was her collar. But exquisite as was the last, it should be admitted that Natalie Grandon gave the palm to her own fair features. Now get my gown, she ordered as her hair fell in a cloudy mass about her shoulders and idly watched in the mirror as her maid turned and walked toward the wardrobe for the space of three seconds the room was silent as any young society lady should be three soft noiseless steps did many take then came a crash a shrill scream and the maid fell headlong started out of her reverie natalie whirled around she stared in amazement at the havoc which had been wrought. Minnie, the demure and trim, lay sprawled on the floor, 
a small table was overturned and scattered around was the miscellaneous assortment of articles and the broken pieces of a flower vase miss grandon made a gesture of impatient annoyance how could you be so careless she commenced crossly then as minnie struggled groaning to a sitting posture natalie sprang from her chair are you hurt she cried in alarm not much i think i've oh i've cut my hand i tripped i couldn't help falling i the maid broke off sobbing and natalie helped her to her feet do stop she urged as she examined the cut on minnie's hand it's not very bad here let me tie it up with this towel minnie wiped her eyes and stood quietly while her mistress rendered first aid during the moment that natalie bent over the temporary bandage minnie's eyes strayed toward the dressing table she wrenched her hand away suddenly did you move your collar she cried my collar no what is the matter with you i haven't touched it it's gone side by side mistress and maid stared at the dressing table together they rushed to see if the precious band of jewels had fallen to the floor and frantically they sought and found nothing no hint of how or where it had gone this is incomprehensible bewildering gasped natalie it was there and now the window exclaimed the maid nonsense it was only open a few inches besides no one could climb up and reach it the idea is absurd yet it's gone whispered minnie and someone must have taken it so it is useless standing there doing nothing cried natalie i'm going to call up the police and tell them to send a detective at once no don't leave the room minnie there's no purpose to be served by alarming the whole household for heaven's sake be quiet minnie was now crying hysterically but her mistress through pale and worry was calm and purposeful her message to the police station was clear and free from needless words you see she said to her maid when she hung up it will be much easier for the detective to solve the mystery if we remain here until he comes while we are waiting we will make another search and the sound of two shots in quick succession came from the garden below natalie stood rigid the maid sank moaning to the settee something dreadful's happened she gasped and her tears fell in real earnest miss grandon glanced down at the girl with contempt don't be silly she snapped i only hope it was the beast who took my necklace that was shot minnie lifted a pale tear-stained face but how she commenced no one could get into the room don't ask me how retorted natalie as she went to the window that's for the detective to say all i know is that my collar is gone and if it isn't in this room the inference is obvious possibly someone was on a ladder and reached through the window with a stick i know you couldn't have taken it and as forty thousand dollars worth of gems cannot take wings and fly there must be some reasonable answer the servants are out now searching the grounds i can see their flashlights 
and here's a car coming up the drive this must be the detective quick minnie get my gown while i pin up my hair i told him to come straight to this room true to her instructions detective rossiter entered two minutes after his car had stopped in front of the house he listened without interruption while natalie gave a detailed account of what had taken place now and again his eyes drifted casually to the direction of minnie who sat huddled on the settee peculiar he said when natalie came to a pause hmm very strange you say you have searched the floor practically everywhere in this room did you examine your own clothes miss grandon flushed slightly do you mean to insinuate that i the detective raised a protesting hand i am only suggesting the possibility of an accident he said the collar might have fallen and clung to your dress then my maid shall search me and satisfy you on that score it is useless to search for as i have already told you she did not once approach the dressing-table after placing the collar there in fact she did not move from behind my chair until she went to get my dressing-gown now minnie just run your hands over me and see if there's any chance i have my own property concealed about my person there was a sarcastic note in miss grandon's voice as she gave this order and a haughty tilt to her chin but rossiter seemed in no wise perturbed or particularly disappointed when the collar did not show up it disappeared when minnie fell he muttered staring at the carpet let me see this room is on the third floor was that window open just as you see it now no more than that it has not been moved up or down since i opened it myself said natalie and the shots have you any idea what they meant no i have not inquired i saw that the noise had awakened the servants and they were searching the grounds when you arrived there listen it seems as if they have found something i'll go down and see grunted rossiter maybe the clue to the mystery is downstairs when the detective reached the hall a body was being carried in by a couple of pallid-faced man-servants shot twice through the head muttered rossiter as he bent over the dead man and rapidly searched his pockets he did not find anything that connected the stranger with the disappearance of the collar and immediate examination of the flower beds under miss grandon's window showed no trace of footprints or marks of a ladder the spot where the body had been found was some thirty feet distant from the house shot from behind the man evidently had been hiding for some purpose but the detective traced his footsteps from the road to a clump of bushes where he had been slain at that point the dead man's trail ended he had not been near the house all this and proof that no one had climbed into miss grandon's window the detective verified by daylight at every new line of plausible explanation he met with a check no theory fitted the circumstance there was no clue to be found inside or outside the collar was gone 
and the rest was confusion miss grandon was above suspicion the dead man was a doubtful factor inasmuch that he was found in the grounds but he had not been near the house and there was nothing to connect his murder with the robbery of the collar natalie herself declared that many had not approached the dressing-table what was the answer back in his office the detective cudgeled his brain no one had entered the house none had left it yet when many fell the gems had vanished the phrase repeated itself over and over again in the detective's mind he could not rid himself of the constant repetition of the three simple silly words she said she tripped up he muttered over what i'll go back and look at things over again this afternoon meanwhile there's a dead man to identify and a murderer to find two it was late in the afternoon when detective rossiter reached the granton house and he was not altogether displeased to find that natalie was not at home the housekeeper showed him into the dressing-room and left him to his own devices he made the most of his opportunity of investigating unhampered by observers indeed if anyone had been watching they would have said that detective rossiter was anything but a hustler or a keen sleuth for the greater part of half an hour he sat on the settee with half-closed eyes endeavoring to visualize to reconstruct the scene then he got up and peered into the bedroom he saw nothing of note but he heard something that caused him to wrinkle his brows it wasn't much only the sound of low sobbing but it was enough to send him tiptoeing into the corridor there he coughed loudly and walked with a heavy tread to a door that he judged opened into the room beyond mrs grandon's i reckon it is the maid's room he reflected and observed that when he stood outside the door the sobbing ceased he knocked and minnie came to the door she was red-eyed and there was a look of one bereaved on her face sorry to disturb you said the detective but would you mind getting me a hammer oh and by the way do you remember what you tripped over the carpet there must have been a rock in it ah yes of course that was it well i'll wait in the dressing-room while you go for the hammer rossiter did wait in the dressing-room but only long enough to ascertain that the carpet was tightly stretched and nailed all round the room and to give minnie time to reach the basement then he transferred himself with remarkable quickness to the maid's room forty-five seconds was the limit of his stay there and when minnie returned she found him waiting on the settee entirely for the maid's benefit the detective accepted the hammer and solemnly tapped on the walls and the fact that minnie sniffed at his futile behavior bothered him not at all before he left the house rossiter pledged the housekeeper to secrecy and asked her two questions when was the oil heater in the maid's room filled and was it ever used in miss grandon's dressing-room he learned that the heater had been filled the day before and that according to natalie's orders it was never placed in her room strangely enough 
the two trivial circumstances caused Rossiter to congratulate himself. He was far from being able to locate the missing collar, and was still laboring in the dark, but he glimpsed a distant, guiding ray of light. During his visit to the maid's room he had seen by the indicator on the heater that it had been burned several hours. Also he had noticed four tell-tale curved marks on the soft pile of the carpet near Natalie's dressing-table. So far so good, he murmured as he left the house. Now to look up the history of the man who was shot, and to play a waiting game. For three days Rossiter resolutely kept out of communication with Natalie Grandin. On the fourth day he called on the young lady and lugubriously informed her that neither he nor any of the police had any clue or hope of recovering her jeweled collar. Miss Grandin did not disguise her scorn or indignation, and Rossiter received her scathing remarks in humble silence. Even Minnie's smile was superior and disdainful, and she tossed her head with open disparagement when he left the room on an errand for her mistress. Then, a twinkling, there came a surprising change over the detective. His whispered words caused Natalie to open her eyes in astounded amusement. That was a bluff, announced Rossiter. I have discovered some evidence that may perhaps lead to the recovery of your collar. But it all depends on your keeping up the pretense that I have given over the case. Tell everybody what a fool dub I am, and let it be understood that you have relinquished all hopes of getting back your gems. Remember, that's forty thousand dollars worth of jewels you will probably never see again if you give the slightest hint of the truth. A week later, Rossiter traced the man that had been found dead in front of the Grandin house but although he found that the man's name was Fayette, and made some interesting discoveries regarding his antecedents, he failed to connect with the one who had shot him. While he was thus at a standstill, the one event he had deliberately played took place. The news came simultaneously to him from one of his watchers and Miss Grandin. Minnie's beat it, came the message from his associate detective who had been tipped off to watch the Grandin house. My maid has left, telephoned Miss Grandin. Of her own accord? asked Rossiter. Yes, in a way. I discharged her because she insisted on having more money. The detective smiled as he replaced the receiver. So Minnie has found a way of skipping free without giving reason for suspicion, he murmured clever girl that she doesn't wait on a chance to serve her turn she doesn't trip up unless she means to fall i wonder if she'll lead where i want to follow if so and i've doped it all outright there's some that's been sniggering at me that'll have to hand me a bouquet there's nothing like letting a chicken think you're an old has-been or a never were for thirty-six hours following Minnie's departure from the employ of Natalie, she did nothing that gave her watchers any help in support of the theory that Rossiter had formed. But the detective counseled caution and patience. She's laying low, he declared, when it was reported that Minnie had been to several employment agencies and was hunting for a job. Depend upon it that a woman who had self-control enough to hide her feelings on the night that Fayette was shot 
is not likely to give herself away by doing anything in a hurry when i found her crying in her room i had my doubts about her doubled and since we now have proof that she was fayette's wife i guess it is worthwhile giving her all the rope she wants i know she put the heater in miss grandon's room and although i haven't the least idea where the collar went it's a million dollars to a peanut shell that minnie fayette had her finger in the pie if we arrest her on suspicion she'll play dumb and we'll lose the goods let her rip it is an even chance that she's after revenge and that connects us with the guy who finished fayette soon words came from rossiter's shadows that the moment was ripe for him to get on the job three by nine o'clock on the evening of the second day the mystery of the vanished collar was solved with the jewels in his pocket and three prisoners rossiter arrived at the station house and told his story and as he had successively bagged the murderer of fayette the receiver of stolen goods and minnie he was listened to with absorbed interest this woman here he stated pointing to minnie fayette engineered the whole business after i received the message that she was trailing around hangouts that are not usually frequented by ladies maids i picked up her trail and followed her to this man's house i heard her accuse him of killing her husband but he i did it in self-defense cried the younger of the two men fayette wouldn't pass on the collar as we'd agreed i grabbed his gun and shut up snapped rossiter you can tell your yarn later all that i care about now is the fact that you killed fayette sloped with the collar and cashed it with this old fence here you all are in the soup and the judge will fix the responsibility where it belongs the detective turned again to the lieutenant there was a whole lot of talk between minnie and this man he continued but to cut it short it amounted to her agreeing to accept half of what the receiver had promised her husband's murderer i tagged after them when they went to the fence's place they all started squealing one on the other when i showed up and here they are all merry and bright this the detective laid the collar on the lieutenant's desk i found in the receiver's house and these a gun and this ball of fishing line were hidden in the other feller's room it explains a good deal that fogged us have a look at it and you'll see how they got away with the collar cute murmured the lieutenant as he unwound the ball and examined the string well you'd better cut along to miss graydon you can tell us the rest later i guess we can take care of these beauties until you get back although the jeweled collar was held pending the prosecution of minnie and the others natalie graydon was graciousness itself and lavish in her praise of the detective's keenness and patience from the beginning to the end said the detective after he had given the details of the gradual build-up of his suspicions it was one of those rare cases that are well thought out and baffled by their very simplicity every move you made was forced upon you when you returned from the opera there are marks of the heater that minnie kept in your room until just before you were due 
she was no more sleepy than i am it was a plant to practically compel you to open the window yourself if you had not done so many would have had to do it herself or they would have waited for another chance the fact that you did it lessened the possibility of connecting her with the robbery but how is it i didn't see the string i distinctly remember that there was nothing on the corner of my dressing-table when that wicked girl took off my collar i'll show you said rossiter in the first place you must remember that you had no suspicions and therefore had no reason for looking closely i doubt even now that you know how you were tricked if you will be able to see the snare that was laid ready for the moment that had been foreseen by fayette and his wife while we were talking the detective went to the window and threw out a ball of fish line as it curved downward the ball unwound and fell within a yard of the spot where fayette had waited for the collar and for death the line hung straight down the side of the house and when rossiter closed the window the remaining length of painted string blended with the wall and carpet why it is barely noticeable exclaimed natalie you are right i would certainly fail to see it unless i knew it were there then how about this asked rossiter as he brought the string up the back of the dressing-table you can see what is knotted at the end of the string now a piece of catgut the detective nodded now look he said as he laid the loop of catgut flat on the lace cover it is almost invisible cried miss grandon then minnie had only to slip my collar through the loop and fasten the catch of course and the sound of your collar being jerked away was entirely covered by the noise that was made when minnie fell the racket was bound to make you turn around and her scream was the signal for her confidant to haul away that was the critical moment but minnie didn't trip or stub her toe by accident for there is no crease or ruck in the carpet that little lie she told helped some the marks of the heater helped some more and the rest was easy the end of when many fell by raymond lester